This is Christian Book Blurb, brought to you by author and songwriter Matt McClary. Get a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the lives of some of your favourite Christian authors, hear about their books and faith. Also, why not check out my website, mattmcclary.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Christian Book Blurb podcast. I am your host, Matt McClary. Thank you so much for joining me again for another fantastic episode. Today, I'm going to be speaking to the wonderful author P.S. Daunton. And she writes fiction novels and she's going to be telling us all about um, a new novel that she um, has just released called The Dove Stone. But before we get any further and before I just keep chattering on and on and on, let's welcome Pam to the show. Hi, Pam. Hi. Hi, thanks for joining us today. Now, I've already mentioned um, you've got a new book out called The Dove Stone. So before we go, before, you know, we get into your life and your writing style and everything else, why don't you just give us a, a sort of a, an overview as to what The Dove Stone is all about? Uh, well, The Dove Stone is about um, uh, two main themes through it, really. Uh, one is prayer and the other is bullying, both of which you uh, children... Um, get involved in, if you would. And the, um, the idea is that the being able to pray in difficult circumstances is, is the theme that runs through the book. It's, it's set in the past because it's a much more exciting place to be. Um, and um, it's a really good, fast read. Um, people who've been, it was only out in June, and people who've been reading it tell me that they, they get so far and then they can't put it down because they want to know what happens at the end. So that's the dove no, no, I must admit, it, it it's a great book. I've, I've, I've been sent a, a copy from your publisher, Dernier Publishing, um, mm. and it's a really good book. I, I, I tend to read more non-fiction myself, mm. and I get fiction books sent to me, and I... You know, sometimes it's it's a bit difficult, but I found it really a really good read, um, and yeah, really, really easy to read. If that's if that's the right sense, um, you get sucked into the story um, really quickly, <laughs> and and you can imagine um, the characters really easily. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, so yes. it's set in the past. Um, yeah. What era is it set in? Uh, well, I. I kind of looked at quite a few. Um, I, I, when I first started writing the story, I thought at first I'd do it in, in school um, because I'm an, an ex-teacher um, and it's the area that I know well. But I was so bored writing it and I thought nobody's going to want to read this. It's, it's just tedious. Um, so I then started looking around, really, and I went to an exhibition at the um, National History Museum in, uh, it was actually in Edinburgh, but it had been moved up, uh, which was all about the Celts. And as I'm going round this exhibition with all these wonderful swords and cups and early transport, I kept thinking the children in my class would absolutely love this. It was before I, um, no, it was after I'd finished, just about. I think they would just love this. They'd just love all this. So I then started to look. Um, I, I, you can't set it too far back 
because you've got to have Christianity as part of your story. So you can't set it before the Romans when the Celts were. Uh, so I then started looking just after the Romans and uh, I went to the museum in Ribchester and had a lovely conversation with the curator, manager, I don't know, there's only the one lady, it's a little museum. And she and I talked about what happened when the Romans left. Um, we know very little about that period in history, so it seemed perfect to me to write a story about because you could put what you like into it uh, from the, the sort of early, early history. You can just... Uh, so that's what I did. Um, and it's much more exciting because there's dogs and swords and, you know, and getting lost in the wood and boars and all that kind of thing in the story. So it's much more exciting to read about than uh, than doing something in the present day. Mm, mm. No, it, 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 it seems like you've done your research really well. And... I'm taking the age group you're setting it for. What what were, what was your intended age group for the book? Um, well, the age group is really, I suppose, uh, eight to elevens. Um, it could be read by a, a, a strong reader who is younger than that. Um, but the bullying in it is realistic, so it really is for junior children. Um, Sometimes when Janet and I were talking about the book, because it's published by, she's the editor, um, we would talk about the, uh, the, the bullying. And, and uh, often, if you don't work with children, you don't realise just how bloodthirsty and, um, you know, that not upset they are at that particular age in their, their lives. They, they just love it. I mean, that's what the horrible histories um, use all the time. They love all that kind of goo and, you know, and terrible things because it's not real to them. As long as it's set somewhere where it's not real, then they're happy and they, uh, they enjoy all that. Mm. So, um, and I appreciate what you've done in the book um, with your audience in mind because it's set in the past, you've got various words or implements or things um, that, that are used in the book that mm. um, your readers may not know what it is or, you know, what is a coracle, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so you've got a really helpful little glossary in the back, which sort of explains some of the, the trickier words and the sort of the more historical words um, to, for your readers, which I think will be really useful and really helpful. So I, I appreciate that um, about the book as well now in the very beginning of the book you kind of set the scene and talk about the the the, the brigantes era where it's set um but it's set in um lancashire hmm. is that where you're from are you in indeed. that area yourself yes, okay indeed. so so the the river that's mentioned all that kind of thing can you see that sort of out of your out of your living room window or is it a bit more sort of general <laughs> Well, the River Ribble is huge, of course. Um, so, but I'm I'm across a field uh, at the back. But um, it isn't set somewhere where I could go and stand on the spot and say this is where it's set. It's set vaguely, um, not in Ribchester, which is a little bit further up the river than me, um, because once the Romans are gone, people would start to move away from there. Um, 
But there isn't a hill on which I stand and think this is where it's set. It's the hills in my imagination. But the River Ribble, uh, Bellissima, who is the Roman god that's mentioned in the book, um, all of whom are uh, local known facts. Uh, in fact, Ribble is uh, a derivative of Bellissima, which is where it gets its name from. So um, those things are all, um, you know, centred on bits and pieces that I found out. But yeah, mm. it is a big river and the uh, early um, missionaries to this area would have come up on it in boats. Um, you know, the, locally there's a, a Viking horde, which is much later, but that was left because people travelled up and down this, this. It's not a stream, mm. it's a big river. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks a bit like a stream at the moment. It's a bit low. But, uh... <laughs> oh, good. You, you've used a very intriguing title, the Dove Stone. Um, mm -hmm. How does the Dove Stone um, fit into the story of the novel? Or, you know, was it part of your inspiration for writing it in the first place? You know, how does, how does the, the title of the book kind of pull everything together? Um. Well, the one thing, when I, I, um, when I set out with the task, I started on my own and then I realised that I wasn't going to make a, a really good job of writing a novel. Uh, so I did the Write for a Reason course, which... Um, and at the end of that, I had both the title, The Dove Stone, and the story, uh, the whole idea of using the stone. Uh, and I've used it because... Um, children like things to hold and um, so if I was uh, doing prayer in the classroom for instance I would give children stones we'd sit in a circle we'd pass out a stone we'd think of our prayer and we'd pop it back in the basket so so that idea comes from that but in the story of course um, the character who's trying to tell them about Christianity um, Ronin who's a sort of Monk. it's too early to call him a monk um, type character um, he uses the stone to give to the uh, two children that have got to face this real difficulty um, so that they can be reminded of this new God because it's very new to them uh, Father God that the, they can pray for so they can have it in their pocket uh, just as um, you might use a holding cross or something like that today um, so that that was where that title came from. It mm. was what I. Um, it's always been in the book, and it was always going to be called the Dovestone, right from the start. Mm. And is the is the Dovestone um, just a, a literary device, or does it actually exist in real life? <laughs> I mean, if you went in, if you went into a school to to talk about your book, could you sort of pull out of your pocket the Dovestone and? You know, is it a real thing or, or is it just used as a literary device to pull things together in the novel? Well, it was a literary device, but I did have the, um, I don't know, uh, interest, I suppose, that quite early on, once the book was accepted to be published, um, I had the idea of um, having a small model of the Dovestone made so that I could take it into school and, and talk to children about it. Um, and I, it was made by a, a, a small, uh, well, it's a friend of my daughter's, actually, who makes these little models. And the uh, front cover of the book 
is actually a picture of the model she made uh, with some other pictures. My husband takes photographs and some other pictures of his uh, and they were put together in the, in the front cover. So the dovestone that you can see there, I can take on the cover, I can take into school and say, here we are, you know, this is what it is. Pass it round, what do you think? The mm, only thing really is... That's really good. I was going to say, the, the only thing is, is because it isn't actually a stone, uh, to me it does, doesn't quite feel... Um, but you can't polish that kind of plastic acrylic thing in it to get that quite that finish, but... You know, I don't think children will notice that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that for children especially, um, when, you, when you're when reading about something in a book and then you can actually kind of get to hold it or touch it, it's mm. it, it, it really helps to, to make that connection um, with the story, I think. So that's really good you've been able to get that done. Well done, that's mm. great. Um, so you've, you've mentioned... Um, there's sort of an introduction to Christianity and they meet this Christian person in the book who, who tells them about um, a different God um, who they haven't experienced before. Um, mm-hmm. So this, this, is, this is a Christian um, podcast and so we talk about Christian books and yours is a Christian book, which is really good. Um, sometimes fiction, I find, um, they're just kind of very generally have something in it but your yours starts to to take things down um a christian path but it doesn't do it i've found um what am i trying to say it doesn't slap you across the face <laughs> with the bible which no. which i think is good especially when you're trying to just introduce the idea and concept of god to children mm. um and it does it quite naturally and, and it kind of flows as part of the story really well. Um, but it still leaves open-ended questions at the end, doesn't it? it? It's, it's not like, a, it's not like a, um, these children meet this Christian and, you know, all of a sudden in two chapters, you know, now they've, <laughs> you know, everything's changed and there's rainbows in the sky. It's not, it's not quite that. It's, it's more true to life, I feel. Um, yeah. A step along the journey. Yes. of faith which which is really good um what aspect of faith are you hoping your readers will take away once they've read your book um when i was a teacher i worked with um uh, in a school where many of my children came from challenging circumstances and um so if I'm honest, the book's been written for them, really, if you, if you want to know my full motivation, because I can stand in the classroom and, and, and you very kindly said about um, what I've said and uh, about Christianity, because that, that's what Christian teachers do. And we go that far. We never, ever ask children to make commitments. It's not appropriate in school. So you're just taking them one little step along the journey. And, and you're there with children, you've, you've done all of that, and you know those children live in circumstances and the cavalry, frankly, isn't coming over the hill for them. You know, they're going to live with whatever it is for, for quite a long time. And I just want them to pray. So, because God will, will, will walk with them and help them, help them as much as their circumstances. 
Um, so that's really what I hope the book will do, that children will read it and think there's this Father God and I can pray. And then the Holy Spirit, as far as I'm concerned, has to do the rest for them <laughs> once they've prayed. Mm. No, that's great. Oh. So that's the idea. But there's no, um, there's no you, you know, forcing anybody to believe anything. Um, you're just raising questions. It's actually, it has a technical term in school. We call it critical thinking. You, children learn by answering the question for themselves. So all you're really doing is raising the questions so that they can think about it uh, for themselves and make their own minds up because um, yeah. God gives us a choice. He doesn't force yeah, us really, down any road. That's really important, yeah, to, mm. to present the choice um, yes. and to, to sort of sow the seeds um, and then let the Holy Spirit do the yeah. work. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, we'll carry on talking to um, P.S. Daunton um, in just a few moments. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you can help keep it on the web. All you've got to do is buy me a coffee. Head over to buymeacoffee.com slash mattmcclary to make a donation. There is a link in this episode's show notes. So go on, buy me a coffee today and help this podcast to keep supporting Christian books and authors. And welcome back to this episode of the Christian Book Blurb. I am joined by author P.S. Daunton and we have been speaking about her new book called The Dove Stone. Now, something we love to do here on the show, Pam, is we love to um, get behind the scenes a bit into the lives of our authors. So we've heard about your fantastic book, The Dove Stone, but uh, I'm curious to know, um, what what do you do? What do you enjoy? Are you just an author or do you do <laughs> other things as well? Um, and if you do other things, th that might be a job. Um, are there other hobbies or fun things you like? Or what's your favourite pizza topping? <laughs> mm. um, I'm not sure about favourite pizza topping, really. Um, mushrooms, I suppose. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I've always worked, divided my working life when I was working between two things. Uh, half of my life I would be a teacher and the other half of my life I'm a lay minister. So I've been a lay minister now for well over 20, might even be 25 years now. Um, and though I've stopped teaching, I haven't stopped being a lay minister. So that is still something it takes up a large uh, percentage of, um, of my time. Uh, but of course, it's a completely voluntary thing. It's not something uh, that you are employed for. So I take services. Um, we're in a, a united benefice. Uh, we have three parishes. And I take services in all three uh, at some point during the month. And I go into to our local school, just the one local school, um, to talk about collective worship. I did take collective worship. Uh, and I do for our parishes here at Salmsbury, I do the uh, all-age worship. So there's that side to me. Um, uh, I love that, always have done... Um, I don't know, there was times when I wondered whether I was going to go on for ordination, but I haven't, so I'm, I'm here doing this. And the book would never have got written if I'd done that, so that's a, that's a good thing. Um, as to fun, um, I'm, um, as I've already said, I love museums. I love that kind of thing, but I love the outdoors. I walk a lot. 
Uh, I don't have a dog, uh, but I could. And um, I love bird watching. So it's really sad. I'm not a twitcher. I don't follow them around the country going, I've, I've got, you know, my stamp collected uh, birds, but I do, I do love birds. I love flowers. I garden, I cook, um, all that kind of thing. So um, that's me. You know, I'm out and about oh, usually. Great. I'm happier with me um, walking boots on somewhere muddy than I am anywhere else, really. <laughs> yeah. Which you yeah, also no, see in the book. Fantastic. That's where the description comes from in the book. It's because I'm out there walking it. And you can wet. tell, you can tell that it, that it's <laughs> it comes from experience, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you've you've worked in school. You've been a, you've been a school teacher. Um, mm-hmm. Can you cast your mind back? And what is the best or funniest question you've ever been asked by a child before? Oh, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you did it this way. Um, my funniest in, incident, you can't see me, but I'm not a small person, okay? And uh, I had a, a year two class and my chair broke. And I had to be given a new one. And I sat down and one of the little boys in my classroom said... It's because you're so fat, Mrs. Daunton. That's, that, oh. that's what the problem is. And I thought my TA would die of laughing at the back of the classroom. It was so funny. So that's the, I think that's the funniest thing. It was, uh, it was, just, um, it was just so hilarious. You know, your chair's um, broke, Mrs. Daunton, because you're so fat. That's a- <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how little ones can just... They just say before they think, don't they? They just Whatever it's they all think out. comes out their mouth. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we spend such a lot of time talking about bullying because, you know, these things are said and then they're often, you know, acted upon when really, when we yeah. get older, we learn not yeah. to do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> How about your, your faith journey yourself? We've been talking about sort of um, giving stepping stones to children um, mm. to help them along their sort of journey of faith. Um, how did it happen for you? Um, how did you come to the point of, deciding to follow Jesus well I was uh, I'm old enough that um, you know when I was growing up almost everybody went to Sunday school so I went to Sunday school um, uh, for most of my teen you know childhood till I, till I got confirmed at 14 um, and then I uh, the the curity was was running the confirmation class told me foolishly that I had a choice so I thought, well, if I've got a choice, I'm not coming. And I didn't go back from then for quite some time. Um, and I went back to church after, uh, or as a consequence of getting married. I was married, uh, not, my parents had moved, so I wasn't back in the home church to get married. Um, but I did want a church wedding. And I was married by a locum. So I've no, I can't now remember who he was. But we had that pre-wedding discussion and he just said, why church? Why has it got to be church? And talked about what, what you're actually saying before God. And that brought me back slowly but surely. I started uh, going on my own, didn't tell my husband, um, to church um, uh, quietly. And then slowly but surely it, uh, my faith grew again from there. But I think I probably... Um, had more faith as a child than I realised, actually. Um, I think that was, Mm. you know, I look back and I think all those ladies that 
ran the Sunday school and made me learn all these things that, um, you know, because we, we had to learn the creeds and goodness knows what in Sunday school in those days. Um, and I've, I've often thought what a good job they must have done, actually, you know, to mm. help me understand. Mm. Um, mm. So that's, that's, no, that's my That's journey. fascinating. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Um, the Dove Stone, your first book that you've yes. worked on. Yes. Have you got anything coming up? Have, have you got another one that's sort of bubbling away in the background somewhere? <laughs> what, what can you tell us about it? Because I'm imagining people who read The Dove Stone will be itching to get the next thing by P.S. Daunton. <laughs> Uh, well, that's that's the biggest uh, comment I've had back is what's going to happen next. Um, um, the the there is the the next book is actually written. It's it's not gone um, to any publishers yet because I'm not happy with it yet. Uh, I've got to do a bit of um, editing work on it and a bit of revision on the timeline. It doesn't quite work uh, now. I've had people reading it and and picking me up for things. Um, uh, and that's called the capstone. That's the uh, that's the next book, and there is it will be a trilogy altogether in my mind, uh, okay. assuming anybody wants to publish it. Um, and then uh, there'll be a third one. The second one is about sacrifice and Jesus, and the last one will be about forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. you can't do, you know, teachers were trained. You only do one thing, so you can only do one thing with each book. So you have to have more books. <laughs> yeah. You can't no, put that's loads great. in. <laughs> yeah. The Dove one Stone, objective. the Capstone, and the third one's going to be the something else. Sto- oh, the, the Cornerstone. Ah, corner oh, very stone. good. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Excellent. Oh, I like it. It's all coming together. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, well, I A look trinity, forward to to reading those, to reading those through. Yes, the trinity yeah. of, of st- books. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And... If people um, are interested in getting hold of a copy of any of your books or to find out a bit more about you, where can they go um, online or, or anywhere like that? Where can they find out more about you? Well, Donia, of course, um, uh, uh, because it's published by them, it's, it's available from all bookshops. So, um, you know, Kingsway Books or Eden, which are online um, and kind of personal Waterstones or whatever, you can get the book, but probably the um, the easiest place is Dernia itself. Um, Dernia is spelt D-E-R-N-I-E-R, uh, and it's available postage free off the uh, website from from Dernia itself. Oh, that that's really good. Free postage as well. That's fantastic. Yes. yes. Um. So DerniaPublishing.com is where you want to head to um, find out more about that and to order a copy with free postage as well, which is fantastic. Well, thank you, Pam. It's been fantastic chatting with you today, finding out more about you and about your book and your writing. Um, I've really enjoyed it. I've found it really fascinating. So thank you for um, being with us on the Christian Book Club podcast today. And thank you also to our listeners for tuning in for this episode. Um, We hope that you've enjoyed it. And if you have any children who you may know in your life who you are looking to um, just sow some seeds into um, to steer them 
you know, let them know more about Jesus. Let them know more about God. Um, but you don't want to be too overbearing or overpowering. Um, do check out The Dove Stone. Um, it's a great book and will make a fantastic gift as well. So thank you so much for listening. And I do hope that you join us again for another edition of The Christian Book Blurb. But for now, goodbye. Thanks for listening to Christian Book Blurb with your host, Matt McClary. Do give it a like, give it a share, and let your friends know all about it. We do hope to see you again soon on another Christian Book Blurb.